Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I'm chatting with drummer, singer, producer, career coach, and public speaker, Matt Starr. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking and thank you for joining me today. You know, there's so much we can talk about, but I think one of the first things we should get into is your story. I'm sure we've you've talked about this lots, <laughs> so not to belabor the point, but I would love for you to talk about the struggle of becoming a professional musician. Yeah, no, and I'm happy to uh, to talk about it because I think we, I know from when I was a kid, you know, you see somebody who has achieved a certain level of success and then you assume that, well, they were just born like that or you only see what they do well. You don't see all the times they tried and either, you know, failed, quote unquote, or, you know, all the takes that we do that don't sound so great that don't make it onto the record and you just assume that oh well you know some people are just born to do this and maybe i'm not and so um i saw my first kiss album at age seven scott gabala lived up the street from me he was a few years older and he had some records and um cheap trick live at budokan was one one of my favorite records to this day sean cassidy the do run run which was you know i like that record too i have to admit it's, it's rock and roll it's not quite you know as uh edgy as i like but you know just some cool stuff but when i saw kiss alive too um picture of jeans and with blood and you open up the inside and there's flames and sparks i just it just blew my mind and you know, I wasn't thinking about career or even about being a musician. I just was mesmerized by that world that they created. And I knew that world, whatever that is, whatever these guys are doing, I just want to be in there. And that feeling never went away. So looking back, as I've gotten older, I realized that was a really uh, a divine moment and, and, uh, you know, such a blessing because I've, I've, I, you know, knew tons of people in high school. I said, what are you going to do? You know, when you get out of high school, like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go to college. I'm like, oh, what? Uh, I don't know. I got to figure it out. And I'm thinking, well, you're going to spend all your parents' money. You're going to go away for four years and invest into something that you're not, you don't even know what you're, what you're passionate about. And so that was a gift that I knew that at age seven, even if I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew like the feeling that I got and nothing else ever gave me that same feeling. And so, um, you know, started playing in sixth grade, had a band in uh, junior high. We played the local talent shows. We, we, we actually won a church battle of the bands by playing a Judas Priest cover. So go figure. Hmm. Um, but you know, we had a lot of fun and, um, you know, we just wanted to be great and we would go, you know, I was born in 1970, so I, we were going to concert um by kiss twisted sister acdc um iron maiden you know so we were going to see them uh at the local arena 
Harvard Civic Center in our town and watching these guys and we would watch how they perform. We would watch how they paced the set, how they came out, if they did encores, where they placed the guitar solos, you know, all this stuff, you know, enjoying it as fans, but really like being objective about it too. So I always had a an eye on I I was a fan and I still am, but I was also looking at the like behind the scenes and kind of trying to understand how did they make this thing work, you know? So, um, Mm. did that, uh, I actually moved to LA for one year in my early twenties. I I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to get (laughs) along with people. I was used to being a big fish in a small pond back in Connecticut where I grew up. Mm. So, uh, consequently I went back home. And then I got into the scenario that a lot of uh, guys have gotten into, which is I was making a living playing music, but I was not living my dreams. I was playing covers. I was playing in bars and we were having fun, you know, making music, meeting girls, drinking, all that stuff. But that really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. That that wasn't um, where my heart lied, you know, so that went on for years and then i moved back out to los angeles in uh, 2002 and i played drums for a little bit with some artists i played with kevin debro from quiet riot started a band called hookers and blow with uh with dizzy reed from guns N' roses and alex grassi who's now a quiet riot um played with a band called beautiful creatures so i did some some stuff of note but i had the bug to go back to singing which i had done previously and so uh, so then I started a band again and, uh, you know, we almost had a record deal, blah, 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 but it didn't happen. And, and I came up, I was about 38. I was <laughs> at the time singing for a band that was playing in Vegas. I was playing one show a week and paying all my bills. So that again was, it was great, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And so it was kind of a, it would kind of messed with my mind because I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm making money. Uh, I don't have to work a day job. I'm playing music. I'm having fun, but it's not fulfilling. And I look back and, and that was kind of the scenario for a good part of my life where I, I hadn't gotten real with myself. I just figured it would happen. It would just happen just because cause I wanted it and I was working hard. right? Hmm. And, and I was talented. And so I figured I got all the pieces. And, but it didn't work. And so I talked to a lot of guys and they say, you know, I, I, I wanted to do coaching with you because I asked people that were more successful than me for advice. And they said, just keep doing it. Just get out there and play and do a good job and work hard and things will happen. Well, that's what I was doing, but it was not happening. Mm-hmm. So I had to get clinical on it and figure out what was I doing wrong and what was I, what was I, I, I wasn't doing much right. You know what I mean? I had a high standard for my performance, so that was good, but the rest of the stuff was not. So, um, I made up my mind what I wanted to do and wrote out what I wanted my life to look like and wrote out what I quality of life I wanted to have and then reverse engineered it. My wife and I did this together and said, okay, we want to have all these things in our lives. How much does this cost? <clears throat> and we were kind of astonished to find the number that we would have to be making every year to, to live like this. Hmm. But I said, well, that's what I want. You know, that's what I want. But we got real. We didn't just, it wasn't, you know, what, what I teach is a combination of dreaming and thinking big and then also doing the realistic work. Right. So you got your head in your clouds, but you got your feet on the ground. And so 
we got real about that number and started asking what's it going to what does that look like and how do we make this a physical reality so what i started doing was um i quit the vegas gig which i would not recommend if you have a situation where <laughs> you are not feeling fulfilled on something else but if that situation is paying all your bills, unless you are being abused in some way, do not quit. But I wanted to take action. And so I thought, okay, well, first action I'll do is get all this stuff out of my life that I don't want. Well, I did want to pay my bills, though. So, But I let this go. And then I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> freak out. Right? So that's a lot of times what we do. You know, We think we're going to take an action towards a dream. But Actually, we're cutting something out, which at times can be helpful, but we need to recognize what's working, uh, you know, just for the time being. And so um, I did that, threw me into a panic, and then I was just out every single night. I live in Los Angeles, so had lots of opportunities to connect with all of the people that were further along than I was. And I would um, reach out to them, connect with them in any way I could, and some of these relationships have taken two years to get a to get a lunch you know to get a coffee to sit down and talk to somebody others have you know happened a little more quickly hmm. um a lot of these people have become friends genuine friends um the rest of them are acquaintances and hey man how are you good how's it going oh great good to see you brother oh you too man okay you know like that kind of thing um a couple people didn't get back to me eventually but eventually everybody did or i would reach out to somebody for like a year and then i'd see them and they go oh man you've been emailing me bro i'm so sorry i didn't get back to you but what we do in our heads is oh this guy hates me even though they don't know you you know this yes. guy doesn't want to be bothered i'm annoying him i'm inconveniencing him with my existence you know all that stuff and so those are the things that i realized i had to walk through was my own mindset my own discomfort and uh, I found myself in a lot of situations where I was not comfortable and it was a good thing where in the past, if something was uncomfortable, I'd try and get away from it. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself standing in a circle with <clears throat> Chad Smith, drummer for the Chili Peppers, Stephen Perkins, drummer for Jane's Addiction, Kenny Aronoff, drummer for kind of everybody. And... Um, and uh, one other guy, I think it was Matt Sorum. Uh, but I, I was standing there, and this was pretty kind of early on, and I'm, I'm in this circle, and I'm going, I'm in the circle with these guys. I don't know what to do with my hands. Where do I put my hands? Okay, Kenny ha Kenny's talking, so he's moving his hands. Chad's arms are crossed. Okay, that's one option. Perkins are, like, in his pocket. You know, I did – but the point being, I just am, like, standing there going, what – how – how did I get here? And I'm uncomfortable right now. And I realized I always want to be the least successful, least talented, least knowledgeable guy in the room because that's how I'm going to learn. And for a long time up to that, I was always the most successful, most knowledgeable, most um, you know, motivated guy in the room. And I was comfortable with that, but it wasn't serving me. So – about within about a year, I got the gig with Ace Frehley, which was my first first drumming gig in a, in a very, very long time. And then that turned into a lot of other things, playing with Mr. Big, playing with Joel and Turner from Rainbow, um, touring the world, making records, and doing what I love. 
and really being fulfilled. And so what happened is I had a lot of guys that I had reached out to initially who had been on this for a while and they started reaching out to me saying, what are you doing? Because you came out of nowhere and now you've got these gigs and you're doing all this stuff. And I realized that I had figured it out, Hmm. you know, because I had to be methodical about it and I had to be, um, very conscious of what I was doing and I was paying attention to what was working, what wasn't working and, uh, and doing all the work. So I, I really fast tracked the whole thing and it worked. And then that's how my coaching business, uh, came to be because I would have drum lessons with people and they'd be asking me about career, uh, almost more than they were asking about you know, drumming and, but they were asking stuff like, how did you get this gig? And I'm like, I could tell you the story and that might be of interest to you. You might go, Oh, that's cool. Or, you know, that's inspiring. But, but, but if you really want to know, how do you get gigs like this? I can tell you, I can give you the overview. I can give you a template. I can give you a plan. And that's, uh, that's what the coaching is. So, mm-hmm. um, so it all kind of came out of that, but you know, even with the coaching, a lot of this is putting my ego aside and just doing what I'm, what I'm here to do. And I realized that I'm able to do this coaching work, but it didn't feel cool. You know, I don't see, I don't, I don't think of John Bonham doing coaching work. You know what I mean? You think of playing drums and drinking and, you know, tearing up the world. So for me, I had to recognize, look, I have a gift. I have a, an ability. I have some insight and I need to be able to share this with people. I can't be doing what I think is cool or what I, you know, what I, how I want things to look from the outside. I have to do the work that I'm able to do. And, uh, and so that's opened up a whole other aspect, which has led to public speaking and all kinds of other things that I would have never have seen for myself. But when I stopped trying to be cool and just be myself, that's when things really opened up. There's so much there that I can relate to and comment on. I guess just one thing that I'll say is, you know, up until I was 25, I just believed that life was whatever happened to you. I had a victim mentality and I had these assumptions that life is just the way it was. And then I discovered personal development blogger, Steve Pavlina, and he pointed out the idea that you can make conscious decisions for your life. And that was the first sort of gateway into a whole new way of thinking and doing life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mind blower. And I think what I say in my work is your life is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And so whatever (laughs) life, whatever life any of us is living is a, is a culmination of decisions and beliefs and actions that we've made over the last, in most cases, several decades, but certainly, you know, um, were responsible for it. So a lot of people, when they hear that, that, that they use that to beat themselves up. And that's if right. that's the angle they're coming from, that's, that's a really self-defeating thing. But when I realized that I thought, Oh wait, so I made a mess out of this. Oh wait, I could make it better. Right? Like, but I have totally. to be willing to take responsibility for my life in the first place. And, and if people aren't willing to take responsibility for their lives, then they're they're not going to be able to move forward. But once you realize that this situation is my responsibility, I created this for better or worse, that means I can create something new. That's a great little mindset tweak for sure. I love that. And you already mentioned some of these, but you've played with the likes now with Ace Freely, Mr. Big, D. Snyder, Whitesnake, Bon Jovi, and many others. And we're talking about some of my heroes here. So how did you get to that point? And what is it like hobnobbing with so many rock stars? The way I got to that point, I think the first thing was to really 
claim that that's what I wanted to do. Mm. You know, so I'm talking to a, a coaching client and they're like, I just want better gigs. I go, okay, so if I pay you $10 an hour more, that, that's enough. <laughs> that's what you want. You know, it's like, well, I mean, I want to do, and it's like, okay, but what do you really, okay, if I could do anything, yeah, anything. Okay, I want to play with Queen. Okay, great. Mm. Let's say that out loud. Say it again. I want to play with Queen. Okay, how's that feel? Probably kind of weird. Probably like you think I'm going to say, are you serious? Give me a break. I'm like, I don't know if you're going to play with Queen, but I know that until you acknowledge the truth that's in your heart, nothing is going to come to fruition. Hmm. So the first thing was just really getting clear on what I wanted to do and and what things mattered to me. You know what I mean? What what aspects of it, of it mattered to me? And getting around these guys that were far more successful than me and noticing how they conducted themselves, how they talked about business, how they thought about business, how they dressed, you know, how they, they acted when they played, how did they play? How did they approach, you know, I'd see them at, at concerts where they had a rehearsal and I'd see them at, uh, open jams where they didn't have a rehearsal. And how did they, how did they do that? How did they, how do they make, make it happen? And everybody does things a little bit differently, but what's this consistent thing is the quality and the, and the end result, right? So some guys have a struggled, frustrated process and I go, okay, I don't, I don't want that, but look at the end result. I do want the end result. So is there anything I can take from this person? And then other guys have a joyful, oh man, you know, I just, I'm great, grateful for every single note I get to play. It's like, okay, I like that approach more, but there's something that I can learn from everybody. And so, um, just going through the steps that I go through every day and that I talk about my coaching work, that's how I make that transformation. But it starts with with my mind and usually musicians that they need to get better. Mm -hmm. And what my goal is in 2019 is to close the gap between their abilities and their success, because we all have a few guys. Every once in a while you see somebody go, man, that guy's got some great gigs and he's, he's not that great. Like he's, he's right where he needs to be. You know what I mean? For this part, there's so many players out there that are really good but yet the level of success that they have is far below their yes. abilities. But they think they need to get better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I'm saying, you know, you need to get better. You probably need to play less is probably, you know, and stop trying to impress people and just listen to the music and just play for the song to get specific. But this goes for any line of work, you know, and uh, getting along with people is the number one skill mm-hmm. that's needed uh, in this business in general in life and any career because it is about the relationships and how people feel when you're there around you. Um, again, assuming you can deliver, but I, the, the majority of people that I talk to are capable of delivering the goods. So then why aren't you getting the opportunities to do that? It makes so much sense, you know, and I've been on some Twitter chats and some other things like that. And people call me out and go, you're talking so much about networking. I don't like networking. I'm not going to do that. I feel shy. I feel intimidated. I feel awkward. (laughs) So, but I I agree with you. And maybe networking is the wrong way of framing it. Maybe just saying like making friends or finding people with common interests or getting in touch with the right people that can help you in your career, you know, but what what would you say to somebody that has that kind of mental block around it? I would say tough shit. (laughs) I would just get over it. Yeah. You know, I mean, bluntly, get over it. But but I will I will, you know, follow that up with this. It felt really weird to me 
to go out for the purpose of connecting with other people in order that I can get a better job. That felt weird. That felt creepy, felt insincere, Mm. felt like um, I'm a door-to-door salesman. You know, so yeah, if you want to call it making friends, yeah, call it that. All I would say is, so, you know, this, this, you know, fictitious person that you're talking about, it's like, oh, okay, so you are not comfortable with, okay, so keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. The, the, you know, the discomfort is the precipice of greatness, right? So the change yeah. the other side of that thing that you're scared to walk through, whatever it is, whether it's going up to somebody cold and just going, hey, how you doing, man? I'm Matt. It's nice to meet you. I saw you play earlier. You sounded great. Uh, are you playing with anybody? What's going on? Are you, you live around here? What do you do? You know, strike up a conversation or maybe it's saying, well, when someone says, I, I want to hire you to record drums on a song, how much do you charge? Rather than saying, well, I don't know. What do you want to pay me? I say, I make this much. I quote a rate. And then I don't say anything else after that. I don't say, well, you get this much, but you know, if you can't do that, let me know. And I mean, I'm, I'm totally willing to work with you. It's like, no, 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 no. This is what I get. Now you can talk, right? So it's whatever is that thing that I'm afraid to do. So if I had a to-do list and there's a thing at the top that's just like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do, that's the first thing I do. Hmm. Now, for some people, because as long as your list doesn't say, number one, cut off your arm with a rusty saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like as long as your list is, you know what I mean, make this call to this guy who, who, you know, who said to call him back. He said, I'm not, I'm busy now. Call me in two weeks. And it's like, you put it in your calendar. It's like, bing, two weeks, call this dude. He said to call you, call him, you know? So what's helpful for me in those areas too, is to make to-do lists. So I'm, I get in phases where I'm, I'm relaxed usually at the end of my day and I'll, and I'll get a bunch of, I just intuition as far as like, do this tomorrow, do this, call this person, reach out to this person, you know, set this up, look into this and I'll make the list. Then the next, Next day, I get up, I do my thing, I get my coffee, I sit down and I look at the list. List, you know, thing number one, call this guy. Okay, call him. And I'll put in the thing, call so-and-so about this thing, ask him, you know, even though if I saw the name, I'd know what it pertained to. I just write it out exactly what I need to do so I can just read it and go, okay, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, call Brian at School of Rock Inc. Calgary, confirm February 25 for workshop. Okay. Now all I need to do is put Brian School of Rock. I'd know what that is, but I write it all out. Brian, it's Matt. How's it going? Cool. Just calling to confirm. Okay. We're good. Okay. Great. Thanks. Click. Next thing. Do that. But whatever the most, you know, kind of frightening thing is, I start with that because then it's all cake from there, you know? Yeah. You know, but it's, it's really about walking through the discomfort learn to recognize the discomfort as something good. And I'll just give you a brief story. Mm. I told you one of my first records was Cheap Trick Live at Budokan. I, I just knew I had to play Budokan. That's one of the places I always wanted to play. So um, the first Mr. Big Tour, I got all the dates. I'm looking through the dates. I'm like, oh, you know, this place, that place. Oh, Japan. Cool. Yeah, Tokyo, Tokyo, this, there. Okay. Awesome. I go, wait, Tokyo. Let me go back. Tokyo. Where? Budokan. Whoa. I'm going to play Budokan. Awesome. So the night of the show, the night of the show they tell me during the day oh by the way we're shooting a dvd so there's going to be like 20 cameras on stage like (laughs) okay great so i'm laying in bed gorgeous hotel room in tokyo looking out my window on the harbor thinking wow this is a really good day but i can't sleep Mm -hmm. 
and I'm trying to make myself sleep and I got to get sleep. Man, what if I wake up tomorrow and I get enough sleep and my brain's not going to be functioning? I said, dude, this is normal. You're going to play Budokan. You're going to realize a lifelong dream that you've had for like 40 years. It's okay. So to recognize that this is normal. Because again, usually when we feel uncomfortable, we think it means something bad is about to happen. But if I said, oh, hey, by the way, uh, I just – Paul McCartney's in your neighborhood. He's going to come over your house in about two minutes. You'd get uncomfortable. You'd be excited, but you'd be like, oh, my God, uh, what am I wearing? Do I need to shave? Uh, should I make some food? Like you'd be uncomfortable. Totally. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's, it's just that you're about to meet a beetle. So to just understand that that discomfort is totally normal and to stay focused on what the goal is and not what the feeling is as I walk into that. And so regarding networking or making new friends or whatever anyone would want to call it, if someone who's more successful than you is telling you this is what you should to tell you what to do and they're giving you this advice and you're saying no, that gets into humility and, and that's a whole other big piece of this. But hmm. just just say yes. Just say yes and learn how to walk through that. Awesome. You know, one of the big things I realized about discomfort in 2018 is that oftentimes we have our actions wrapped up in how we feel about it. But I realized that an action is an action regardless of the intent. I can pick up a cup and set it down with no emotion. I can pick it up and set it down with anger. I can pick it up and set it down uh, kind of sheepishly or carefully. And in the end, the action makes no difference. I, it, it's, I still picked up the cup and set it back down. And so we actually get lost in our head when it comes to taking those types of actions thinking that everything we've built up in our head is real and true when it's not. It's like completely imagined. And the only thing that lives out here in the real world is you taking the action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I tell people, look, we're making all this stuff. So let's just make up some good stuff. That's right. You know what I mean? Like these guys don't want to hear from me. They're going to hate me. They're going to fire me. They're never going to let me in, blah, 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 blah. Right, let's just make up some good stuff. They're going to love me. I, and, 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 it's, and it's not an arrogant thing. It's recognizing I have something to give. And so how can I get an opportunity to be put into situations where they really need me, right? So I have a certain skill set. And there's a band right now that I would love to play with who's saying, man, we got these dates coming up and our guy can't do it. And they're not excited about that. They're like, they, no one wants to audition. No one wants to. I wish we knew a guy who was, you know, had this kind of feel and had a sort and look. And if he sang, that would be great. And, you know, a guy who's in the Zeppelin. And man, I wish we knew a guy. Like, that's me. They're describing me. So, hmm. and, and there's a gig that for everybody. Hmm. And so it's a matter of the universe connecting us with that opportunity. And so that's just a little mindset tweak to look at it that way because if i come to you saying hey can you know do you have any work for me that may not go to saying hey i'm open in march if you need a drummer for sessions or for live please let me know i'd be happy to help out that has a different feel to it right so like what's going on for you how can i help you mm, love that that's great and I think another common objection, you know, when musicians hear the words music and business in the same sentence, many turn and start running the other way. But I think both you and I agree that you're probably not going to reach your full potential as a musician if you don't understand the business side. So talk about the importance of business as it applies to being a musician. Yeah, I think I realized, you know, at one point I realized all my heroes are really, really wealthy. 
Hmm. And I don't, they're not my heroes because they're wealthy. I just, you know, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Pete Townsend, Jimmy Page, these, these legendary guys that have just created this incredible body of work. They're all really successful. And I think it was a time when I looked at guys like Brian Jones or Johnny Thunders or Sid Vicious and thought, oh, those are the real rock and rollers. No, those are the dead ones. Hmm. You know, those are the guys that couldn't hang, you know, Brian Jones, like one of the coolest cats ever, but he couldn't keep up, you know, he couldn't keep up. And so I say, you know, be careful who you pick for your heroes, because I was always liking the guy who, who should have made it the band that could have been, you know, the modern lovers or yeah, the New York dolls or all these, um, you know, the MC five even who get more notoriety, but I was a champion of all these bands that should have been bigger. Well, the ones that are big are pretty good too, though. You know, like the stones are pretty great. Beatles are pretty awesome. Zeppelin queen, you know, they're all pretty good. So it's, it's really about who am I drawn to and why, you know, and what does that say about me and, and not to get like too analytical about it, but, but it, my heroes did change. And, it is the music business. So, you know, I remember Joe Perry saying, he goes, if I just wanted to be a musician, I'd be playing at some coffee house in Cambridge, which is in Massachusetts outside of Boston. And it's like, exactly. Yeah, this is a music business. And if you don't care about the business side of things, that's okay. Then just play music, but don't expect to have a career because a career implies that you're working. So even, you know, uh, a hippie idealist like the Grateful Dead or Neil Young. I mean, these guys are, they don't play for free. Mm-hmm. You know, they get paid. And, um, and I think the other part of it is that like, if you're getting paid or if you're talking about money or if you're even thinking about money, then you're not really in it for the music. And all that that actually means is you're not getting paid and you're broke. That's what that means. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, integrity and money are, 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 are linked. And if you're, if you're into money, then you're not into music. And it's like, that's just, I don't know. The, I think the people that propagate that are the ones that do not want to pay you for your music. That's right. Yeah. You know, that would be in their interest to promote that. <laughs> it's so true. You know, and, and there is a thing, I mean, look, uh, you know, when a band is is starting out and they're hungry, there's an energy and there's a truth in that. And then you know the trick is like, how do you become a millionaire and still music that's that's has that edge? I mean, it's not always easy to do. Some bands after they make it, they don't then they don't know what to do because they've now they've made it. So when you look at a band like U2 or the I think U2 is kind of the most like you know current example, but you know U2 or the Stones or you know these bands that that are, you know, had a run, I mean, because Stone's like 63 or whatever it was, to 86, 87, where they were like putting out some relevant music. That's a hell of a run, you know, and not letting the lifestyle and the money get in the way. There's also been plenty of artists who, you know, their, their, how they grew up was downplayed, you know. So there's plenty of rich kids that grew up to rock stars but we did we don't hear about that in their bio because it, it makes them seem you know non-legit we like our rock stars to have you know ripped jeans and you know be drinking paps blue ribbon or whatever so yeah. you know it's just it's a, it's a bit of a fantasy thing but 
ultimately, if you want to have a career doing this, you have to get comfortable with the money side. And, and, the, and the really what it's about is self-worth, that if you're asking me to devote my time to something, you know, what is my time worth? What is my talent worth? Mm-hmm. And, and what is the value that I, that I place on it? And that's, that's a much deeper question, you know? That's perfect. You, I think you described it very well. Like I used to have a lot of mindset blocks around money. And even this past year, like there was a few situations where I knew I had to say no. And it was very tough saying no. I think I've come to the point now where I, I'm a little more ready to just kind of turn down those things that I know aren't going to serve me, especially in situations where they're not going to honor me. And therefore, you know, if, if they help me, I can help them. But if they're not going to help me, then how am I supposed to help them? You know, I have bills to pay like anybody else. So that's just not going to happen. There was one, I think, music competition that the people wanted me to judge. And I thought, well, you know, that's something I might be interested in doing, but does it pay? And they said, no. So I said, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I think as you get further down the road, I mean, for guys, for me in the beginning, I would, I really, because I was, I could so easily work for free or get taken into it. It's really important to, to really be mindful of stuff, but then whether or not you're getting paid. And then as it go down the line, I might look at a situation and go, well, does this have a value or, or something in it for me that that is a value, but maybe not monetarily. You know, you might go and play an all-star jam where everybody's playing for free, but you're going to, you're going to meet some new people. You know, you're going to, you connect with some new people and a great aid in this was having kids because, you know, you want me to come out and do your event or hang out of your thing. Okay. I can give my five-year-old son and my three-year-old daughter a bath and put them to bed and read the book, or I can come hang out with you. So what are we doing with you? Oh, it's like this and that. Yeah, nah. I, I'm. I definitely. I know that the universe wants me to be here. You know what I mean? And so, that would help because if it was just me and my time, then I might end up, you know, saying yes to things that, that maybe weren't in my best interest. So, um, having kids was definitely a, a helpful thing in that area because it brought clarity mm. to a lot of different things. You know, and I had a conversation with somebody early on where they called me and and they wanted to have me play for something and and they were really complimentary and everything but then they said you know we don't have any money i said okay well you know they wanted to say let's get together and jam and i don't know what that means so i said well <laughs> you know look if you want to do a rehearsal or something for something i can do that but uh you know this is my rehearsal. and they said well don't you ever just play for fun and it kind of threw me for a second because hmm. i was like huh and then i realized yeah, I do play for fun. Like when I'm playing Shock Me with Ace Freely and there's smoke billowing out of his Les Paul, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. And I'm getting paid. That person was asking me if I play for fun. I they were asking me if I play for free. But they 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 you know kind of put fun instead of the word free. And the reality is I when I work, I've been blessed to have gigs with people who I love playing with. So yeah, it is a lot of fun. But that guy was asking me if do I play for fun. He was asking me do I play for free. He just kind of got the words mixed up. So mm-hmm. that did throw me for a second. I'm like, Jesus, am I just in this for the money? Is it become? Has it come come to that? And it's like, no, dude, you're singing Love Gun, and Ace Freely's playing guitar in front of you know a few thousand people. That's pretty fun. Hmm. It's cool, you know. It's cool. So, um, but again, people will try and you know take advantage or 
um, you know, just get things for free and that's fine. But then those, those aren't my, those aren't my people. You know what I mean? Those aren't my clients. And that's a good point. Definitely to look at everything holistically considering whether it is the right kind of gig or the right kind of opportunity. Something mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk about is the importance of coaching. Should people have a coach in their lives? What benefit does a coach offer? Well, I think if you are getting the results you want, um, then you're probably doing okay. Right. But I look back on my life and everything that I did well and was successful at had a coach. So starting with learning how to tie my shoes, right? I don't know how to tie my shoes. My mom knows how to tie her shoes. My dad, they're experts. They've been tying their shoes for decades, right? They're at the top of their game in shoe tying. So they showed me. They coached me. Oh, no, do this, and you make the knot, and then you hold your finger here, and you make the loop. And they walked me through it, and they walked me through it until I got it on my own. And they, okay, cool. They've been running. Good job, right? But what if I had just... How long would I have waited to not tie my shoes? I'm walking around the, the, the my town and you know, age 14, and my shoes are untied. You know, everyone else has tied shoes, right? So like that, or learning how to drive a car, or learning how to brush my teeth. All of those things, you don't just do it. You have somebody show you, and you have somebody show you who's who's good at it, and and then you learn, and then you're able to do it yourself. So certain things come naturally to people, you know. Um, and other things don't. And so I think if something comes naturally to you, you know, but if it doesn't be comfortable acknowledging that as well, and there's nothing wrong with getting help. I mean, we have, you know, uh, uh, coaches for working out, you know, coaches for nutrition, you know, you have a doctor who's your, you know, your overall health coach, you know, you have all these different areas of your, of our lives where we have coaches. But again, I think with musicians and, uh, and business, it just can feel uncomfortable. And it's like, you know what, man, just think about what you want and are you achieving what you want? And if you're not, how can you get there? What's the quickest route to getting there? Hmm. And it, and it's, and I, I, coaching is not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. That's awesome. And I've, and I've talked, I, yeah. And I've talked to guys and I'm talking to them and, and they're asking me questions and I'm like, they're, they're asking questions, but they're not, the right questions hmm. they're looking at it from a skewed angle and they're trying to make and i see what's going on i said listen man i understand what you're talking about and you know if you want to get together and, and you know do some coaching yeah yeah maybe i'll do that yeah yeah and but but they don't i, I had a I had a, I had a guy who was uh he is a guitar tech he could t-text for all, every artist i'd name you'd go oh yeah i know who that is so big guitar legend type but he wants to establish himself as a guitar player. So he thought, I need to stop doing this guitar tech work because they're seeing me as a guitar tech and not as a guitarist. Hmm. Then the next breath, he told me that, well, the one gig I am doing, that guy asked me to learn all these songs because the other guitarist wasn't going to be able to do a tour. Like, so you're, you're going to get a gig. He said, well, yeah, but the guy ended up, it worked out that he could do it. I'm like, so they are seeing you as a guitar player. Yeah, but... I just, I don't want, you know, I just want to be a guitarist and I'm going, but this is working. But he didn't want to be seen as a guitar tech. And I said, the person that's seeing you as a guitar tech is you. Right. 
you're the one that's seeing yourself as a guitar tech. They're seeing you as a guitarist who happens to be their guitar tech, and that's how you know them. So you have this entryway to, to, to get around these world-class guitar players, and they get to know you, they get to trust you, they get to hang with you, you're on the road with them, and a slot opens up, man, you're first in line. But he wasn't seeing it that way, even though, again, he had had that opportunity that came up. But it was his own. So there's just there's all kinds of scenarios like that where we're just doing things in our own best interest. And so, um, you know, again, but it's just it's for people that that want it. And uh, I think, you know, once you once you hear something that that is the truth, whatever, in whatever area, you know, you can't unknow it. Like when someone lays something on you go, oh, man, and you try and forget it. And you're like, God damn. <laughs> that, that, that kind of blew my mind. All right, I'm gonna have to just accept the fact that I can't forget what I just heard. So, um, you know, I think if someone knows it, they know it. That's awesome. That's a great explanation of the importance of coaching. Now, I've been poking around your website a bit. So, tell me about the workbook. I'm interested in the concept. I read a little bit about it on your website, and curious to know what shape it's going to take. The workbook is something that. I'm really, really excited about it. I started working on it, kind of living with the concept for the last year or so. And uh, I played on the Kiss Cruise with Ace Frehley uh, in November of uh, last year. And so you're out at sea. There's no internet. So I was like, perfect. So I spent a bunch of days just writing it. And um, and working out through the holidays. And so what it is, it's an eight-week self-study course. And it takes you through the exact process that I went through over the first year of my career when I actually kind of really kicked into gear about 10 years ago. And so there, if you're like me, I need to be told exactly what to do because otherwise I would just fill my head up with other things and get sidetracked. So every single day you get an assignment. The time commitment is anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour. And it tells you exactly what to do. And it walks you through all of the different processes that I went through and helps you to learn and understand the different tools that I utilize. And these are all the same steps that I go through um, in my daily work. And it's uh, it's. I, as I'm going through it and I'm, I'm proofreading it and I'm just like, man, this it's, I'm just I'm really excited about it. I'm really, uh, very proud of it. And, and you know, the guarantee is this, you know, if you do the workbook, you will not see things the same, you will not have the same life. You will not have the same perspective. You will have changed. And if you don't feel that's happened, we'll give you money back, hmm. you know, but if someone does this every day, there's no way that's not going to happen. There's no way. So the, the feedback's been amazing. I have a few of my coaching clients that I've I've given it to, um, and had them work with it, and they're they're a couple months into it, and um, just having a lot of success, and um, and it walks you through. You know, we address mindset, we address intuition, we address marketing, we address networking, we address um, just understanding the importance. Of why of why we need to do what we're here to do, why that's so important, and why that's really, I feel a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to do what we're here to do, and to figure out what that is. So I have, you know, I have um, 
a guy who's going from being uh, a structural engineer to he's now going into the tech world. Um, so he's making that transition. And so, you know, he's he's been doing the workbook and that's been very helpful for him. I have lots of clients that are musicians and that works for them. But it's really anyone who is self-employed and there's so many of us in all kinds of different careers. Super cool. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on its launch. It's not officially available yet, is it? Uh, no, we have pre-order. We'll probably have it for another couple of weeks and then um, and then it's going to be uh, officially launched probably about the uh, the middle of February. Excellent. Great. And on the subject of books, I'm wondering if there's any that have helped you on your journey. And if so, what were they? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot. Um, I think can grow rich is probably the the biggest one. I read that at least once a year. Um, That was written by Napoleon Hill. It's probably about, was it about 80 years old now? At least. Um, yeah. (laughs) And that's a, that's a mind blower. Um, Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell, that's great. And he goes through universal laws and explains, and it's so beautifully written. And actually, the audiobook version of that, and it just, it, when it goes by, like I'll listen to like a minute, I'm like, whoa, I get a pause. There was just so many sentences that were just so chock full of information. My brain's just gonna explode, so I have to like rewind a lot. <clears throat> but that's a really great book. Um, and there's another book called overcoming under earning and it's funny i was uh i was just sitting in a coffee shop and these two women were talking and i don't know what kind of work they do but they were talking about setting their rates and quoting stuff with clients and being uncomfortable raising their rates and all these things and then uh, one of them said you got to get this book overcoming under earning uh it's really awesome and so that was written by an, an author named gerald mundus and um and yeah those are kind of uh the, the ones but i'm all, i just heard about one never eat alone Yes. Yeah. Is it eat or dine? I think it's eat. Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my coaching clients recommended that, and so that one sounds and it sounds like it's a classic, but I for some reason never heard of it before. Yeah, I think it might be a slightly newer book compared to some of the others he referenced, but I've I've definitely heard about. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Think and grow rich. And how about for you? Oh, for me, wow. Um, I think I recently picked out. My top six books. Um, number one was Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. Uh, the one that mm-hmm. uh, one's important to me because I'm building an online business, and he describes in in great detail how to go about that process of of what type of content to create to attract your audience, and how that can ultimately translate into a, a profitable action. Another one is Double Double by Cameron Harold. Even just his like little thoughts in the back that he's talking about, um, little reflections he's had that he's jotted down or journaled about. Um, that one is totally worth worth the money, even just for those little in- insights at the back. There's uh, Work Less, Make More by James Schramko. He was my coach for a while, and I'd certainly like to learn more from him in, in terms of online business. But uh uh, he has got a great book that talks about how to uh, gain more freedom through your business and, and not, you know, be constantly obsessed with the hustle, but actually be able to live a life as well. And then for our work week, everybody knows that one. Right. Very inspiring. Uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen is a good productivity book. 
and uh, book yourself solid by Michael Port. So those are some of my favorites. Awesome. You're you're doing more reading than I am, which is which is excellent. I'm doing a ton of reading. It's yeah, a, it's inspiring. Do you do you have kids or no? I do not. So that probably plays not. a bit of a part. Yeah, a, a little bit. <laughs> it's it's funny every time I you know read up on somebody who is uh, you know who's inspiring to me. They talk about how much they read, and especially older people. You know, older people that have been around they say you just read a ton Mm -hmm. and you got to get that new information even if it's just a uh like i have you know money magazines and drum magazines and stuff too but just you know just around the house you got a minute sit down read even if read one article or one page you know just to get some new thoughts into our heads just to get the 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 ideas turning and looking at things in a potentially different way it's a really good uh, activity oh yeah i think so too you know, for a while there, I was reading 52 books a year, so one book for every week. Awesome. Last couple of years, I haven't kept that pace, but I'm back into a regular reading routine, so I'm excited for that. Excellent. And do you read in the beginning of the day or end of the day, or when's your time? Uh, yeah, beginning and end are generally good times. Sometimes in between, because mm-hmm. I'm self-employed and I might have a, a moment where I can just go and read instead of maybe staring at my computer for another hour. Nice. Well, I'm sure we could talk for hours, um, but uh, I want to thank you for your time and your generosity. And is there anything else I should have asked? I think we pretty much covered it all. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's, uh, this, these topics are so fascinating and inspiring to me. It's it's great to, you know, have my career be surrounded by something or uh, immersed in something that I'm so passionate about, you know, and help so many people. It's really uh such a cool thing i'm playing music is such an inspiring thing for so many people and then to do the coaching work uh that just is really directly impacting people's lives so mm-hmm. it's always fun to to talk about it but yeah no i think that's you know that's kind of the gist of everything and if uh if anyone wants to get in touch with me um they go to they can email me just directly at mattstarcoaching at gmail.com and uh, both Matt has Matt has two T's and star has two R's. So Matt star coaching at gmail.com or they could go to my site, which is Matt star coaching.com. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to, uh, to help any way I can. So uh, just feel free to reach out. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining me, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. 